Hello there, everyone. We are so happy to have you here. To our regular attenders, welcome. To those of you who may be visiting for the first time or the first few times, a special welcome to you as well. And in case we haven't met before, I'm Daryl Ballard. Uh, I'm the worship leader here. We are so happy to have you. Uh, we would definitely like for you to uh, fill out the connection card. If you're watching on the online church platform, you'll see a little box in the chat over there so that you can connect with us. We do check those out. We'd love to hear if you have prayer requests, definitely fill those out. Our pastors do meet and pray over those each week. Also, if you would like to give, you'll see a box uh, for giving as well. That's through PushPay. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we'll have links underneath the YouTube video in the description. When our leaders were meeting and coming up with a little bit of a tagline for our church, I don't think they foresaw what was going to come in 2020. But the first part of that is come as you are. I'm not sure that they were picturing come as you are as you could come any way you want because you're watching from home on your computer or your device or your television, but you can come as you are. But the second part of that is we want you to leave inspired. And we pray that after watching our service, you will leave inspired by the love of Jesus. So let's go ahead and jump right into our service. We are going to start with a children's story. I know the kids always look forward to that. I think some of us adults actually secretly do as well. Then we'll have some music from our worship team. And finally, the spoken word from Pastor Fred. I know you're going to enjoy that. So again, welcome. Good morning, boys and girls. Happy Sabbath. Today I wanted to talk to you about something that Olivia has been learning about. Yeah, let me see if I can give you a clue. Do you see what I'm holding? Any guesses? It produces a light. It has, let me see if I can give you some clues. It has six legs, a head, a thorax, and an abdomen. It's got some antenna. You guys know what it is? It's a firefly. That's right. If you guess firefly, you're right. So I don't really have a real firefly. I wish I did. Do you guys know where they live? They don't live here in Washington. All I have is twinkly lights. But twinkly lights remind me a lot of what fireflies could be. Now, if you guys can imagine a forest floor and some trees and some mountains, because a lot of fireflies live... Um, on the east side of the state, like if you go to the Smoky Mountains, you can see a lots of beautiful glowing light flying around and they're fireflies and they're awesome and they're beautiful and lots of people travel to the Smoky Mountains or to Tennessee to go look at these um, bioluminescent insects that just light up like little flashlights in the night. And so Olivia has been learning about it in her reading actually, she's been reading a lot about fireflies and they are just wonderful, beautiful insects that scientists are still unsure how these um, insects, how these flies, fireflies, produce their beautiful luminescent light. They know that 
when, oh, I have a picture of one right here. So here's the head, here's the thorax, and there's the abdomen. And so when oxygen hits the abdomen, it, it mixes up with the chemicals inside the body of the firefly and it produces this beautiful like flash of, of light. And we have, um, or scientists have studied fireflies and they've learned that they produce these lights to talk to one another, to communicate kind of like Morse code, or they produce these flashes to attract a mate. So the flashier and the, and the stronger and the more they light up, the more the female fireflies are attracted. So the flashier they are and the more they are popular with the girls. Um, and also, the light tells the um, other predators maybe that, hey, I taste yucky, don't eat me. And so the light is kind of like a warning that kind of tells other um, animals that might want to try to eat them not to eat them because they taste really gross. So fireflies are so cool. And it reminded me of um, a scripture that I wanted to read with you today. It's found in the book of Matthew. So first book of the New Testament. You go to the Matthew um, chapter 5 verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and then hide it under a basket. No, they put it on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. In the same ways, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So God is telling us that he made us to shine. And that's what it reminded me when I looked at and was studying these fireflies with Olivia that God gave these beautiful little insects a beautiful light to shine. And he gave us the same light. It's his Holy Spirit and he, he's telling us in his word that he put that light in us and it's our job to shine for others to see. And boys and girls, if you wanna go out in nature um, and go to Tennessee, somewhere like Tennessee or Asia and go look at these beautiful fireflies, do you think you can see them in the afternoon? No, can you go see them in the morning? No, you actually have to wait until it's dark. And I was watching a video and the forest ranger was saying that um, if you want the best chance to see fireflies is to wait until it's like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night and that is when they really start to shine. So you have to wait until it's really dark to see the light. And boys and girls, that is kind of reminding me of this crazy week we've been having. We have a lot of, I'm sure you guys know what's going on with the election and a lot of, um, you've heard your parents or Adults talk about what's going on, who's going to be the president, and maybe you've seen or sensed some worry in some adults. But boys and girls, even though we don't know what's going on and who's going to be the president and what maybe the country is, how is it going to be run the next four years, we have a job to do no matter what. And we have God who is on the throne and he's taking care of us no matter what. God already knows who's going to be president, even if we don't know. And you know what? We can rest assured that nothing happens unless God allows it. And you know what? We know that God is always working for our good. And even when we don't understand how things happen or it can be dark and scary times for us, we can continue to let our light shine because we know 
the end and we know that God is in control and we know that he's working out for everything for our good and even though we don't understand it or what's going to happen in the future, we can trust in God's love and God's care over us. Okay, in the Bible, when we look at it, we see God's care in so many scary, unsure situations, in all kinds of characters in the Bible. In, when, with Queen Esther, or with Daniel, or Meshach, or the um, Israelites when they were in Egypt in slavery, God is always working out a plan for his people, and that has not changed. We see it from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. God has a plan for us, and we can trust in his love and in his goodness. In the meantime, we're gonna let our light shine. And just like the light of the male fireflies attracts the females and the more bright and flashier they are, they attracts others to them, our light can attract others to us too, right? Yeah, we have to make sure that our good works, that means that we are being kind, that we are living a life that's like God's kingdom where we lift others up, right? And we point them to the Lord and to his goodness and his word. And when we do that, we attract others to ourselves, which is really attracting them to God because we're a reflection of his glory, right? You know, that reminds me of Moses. Oh, do you guys remember in the in the Bible where he went up to on the Mount Sinai with the Lord and he was spending time with God and when he came down, what was up with his face? His face was glowing and shining from the glory of God. And I want us to be shining for him just like fireflies do. Now, boys and girls, the girls um, made some really cool crafts and I think that you can do them at home. All you need are some Easter eggs. I'm this show is you. how you make this craft, you guys. You have to have an Easter egg if you have one. And you have to light a little light in here. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like what kind of light is it? Should we show that? Yeah. It's like a oh, candle. A little candle tea light. And make sure you put it at the end. Abdomen. Abdomen. And this is a firefly that you're looking at. At it's not a fly. It's not a bug. Well, bug. Um, it's a special. It's insect. not a worm. Not a worm. Okay. Even so though it's called. How did you make worm. the wings? How did you make the wings? So you see paper. Have to cut it out. Cut out the paper. And Let's you can also make it a mask. You could. So you can use some googly eyes. Can draw yourself a little face. Or like how you many can make legs? A mask and how many legs? Six. Six legs. Insects have six legs. And then you can use anything you have for little antennas. Okay. And then when you put this the light. This reminds me of fireflies. Yeah. When you put that light in, you uh, your little egg will glow like the fireflies. Yeah. Do you and really love this project? Mm-hmm. And look, you can make this a firefly mask. That's cool. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Okay, boys and girls, I hope you have fun um, making your fireflies and um, letting your light shine this week and trusting in God and his goodness for you. And he loves you so much and he's watching out over you. Okay. Happy Sabbath.
morning, church. I hope each one of you are doing well this morning. I invite you to pray with me, please. Our Heavenly Father, we have so much to be thankful for. We look at the world around us and we see chaos and problems. And we are blessed here in the church because of your protection. And we thank you for that. Father, I ask that you use me in a special way. Allow me to be a vessel that you can give your message to your children. I surrender to you, Father, and I just pray that what you have to say today will be all yours. And I just thank you again for the opportunity that I could be of service for you. Be with each one of our family members, those who are in their homes. Care for them. May the Holy Spirit move among them as well. And just draw close to us today. In your name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> I've been doing some reflecting lately. Looking at the condition of the world. Of all the 66 years, I cannot think of a more difficult time that I have lived in than now. There is division within our families and friends, anger, chaos, pain, not to mention over 240,000 deaths since the beginning of this year due to COVID-19. 240,000. Those deaths compared to the casualties of two World War I's, four Vietnam War casualties, and 78 September 11, 2001. 78. I don't know about you, but lately, those numbers at the beginning of the year really hit me. And I just begin to think, am I becoming callous every time I hear the total? I don't seem to be as affected as I was or even as I should. I have seen things that I have never seen before. I have witnessed things that I have never witnessed before. And I have experienced things that I have never experienced before. And I think a lot of you can say that. 2020 has been a year that we had no idea of what was going to happen. But folks, we are living in some difficult times. And it's affecting each one of us in different ways. Just the other day, the Lord shared with me a text that reads Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Uh, that's worth repeating. Don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. You know, I was really tempted 
to let that scripture text just float out amongst you and close my Bible and have the shortest sermon of my preaching career. I think that text says a lot. But we need to unpack that text. In fact, as I went over that text again, I couldn't help but think of my dad. I think some of you have met my dad when he visited our church. He was a wonderful man. Most of you know that my dad at the age of 93 passed away a little over two years ago. Dad was a simple man. Dad had a simple mind. And dad had a simple faith. And yet he was a godly witness to the very end. I couldn't have been more proud of him in the last days of his life, bringing cheer and smiles to those around him. And if my dad were here today, he would be sitting right down here in this corner chair, right in the front. And I would see his hand raise up in the air, and he'd say, Fred, Fred, I've heard that text before. Fred, what does the text look like? My dad loved that question. He would go through life asking, what does it look like? And sometimes it got annoying. But you know, in reality, those are valuable questions that we all should be asking. What does life look like? What does my relationship with Christ look like? My relationship with my family, my wife, my, my children. What does it look like? We have to have an understanding of what it looks like. So, with your permission, I would like to be able to address my dad's question. And I know he's sleeping. But for today, he's sitting right there in that chair. And he's supporting me. And he's smiling at me. And he's still going to raise his hand because he has questions. And Dad, I want you to be patient with me because in order for me to get to that question, you know how I work. I take a lot of different routes. In fact, I march to a different drummer, as you can see, Dad. I think <laughs> it's your fault. But I want us to be able to address the question that he has brought up today. A, a, a few weeks ago, I came across the book with the title, How Do You Know God's Will in Your Life? And I think each one of you has probably asked that question to yourself multiple times. You go to a bookstore and you'll see shelves of books talking about understanding God's will, knowing God's will. What is God's will? Help me understand. It, it's full of books defining what God's will is. But this book that I have, uh, I'm partial to the author, and it's Morris Vinton. 
You can't go wrong with Morris. And just by opening this book up and looking at the first chapter, already I knew, hmm, I had a lot to learn. I still have a lot to learn. In fact, I am a work in progress. But yet I know with Morris, he has the way to be able to kind of address things in a very simple way. And I found that even in the first chapter, going through the different steps, I see another sermon already being planned. I value his books. I value the books of other authors. But I think it's important for us to be able to turn to the scriptures and say, what does it say about God's will? What expectation does Christ have of us? I know when I baptize individuals and they start their new life and their new journey and they're excited, I can't help but share with them the text that's on the far right over there, Philippians 4, 6. Oh no, I just read that one. It's Matthew 20, 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. Jesus did not come to this world to be served, but he came to serve others. So as you got baptized and made a commitment to Christ and to live for him, those are your marching orders. If you call yourself a Christian, then you are to be like Christ. I look in the mirror and I have to say, I have to be like Christ as well. So therefore, my job and expectations from him is that he has called me to serve. To serve. John 4, 34, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Jesus found more nourishment in doing the will of God than eating tangible food and putting it into his mouth. I want to be able to experience that nourishment of being so connected to God, of doing what he wants me to do, that I will be fed and I will be full. Each one of us needs to take the opportunity to feed upon the scriptures and learn more about him. John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my will. Jesus was very clear. I came here with one purpose, and that was through the will of God who sent me, not my will. When you look at your own lives and the difficulties and the tragedies and the conflicts that you experience, and if you're honest with yourself, I would probably think that you would come to the point of saying, the conflict is my will. What I want. What I desire which seemed to be a conflict to what God is asking of me. And when we do that, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. I like that text, though, written here, and it's taken from the Bible translation of the voice. 
Still John 6, 38. And here's the reason. I have come down from heaven not to pursue my own agenda, but to do what he desires. I'm here on behalf of the Father who sent me. I love that picture. I love pictures. I can just see it. I can see the problem within myself as I go through my work, as I go through the things that I'm called to do. I have my clipboard, and guess what? I have my agenda. But if I could paraphrase that text and say, Lord, help me to see through your eyes to put me into the picture, it may read something like this. Here's the reason I wake up in the morning. Not to pursue my own agenda, but to do what God desires. Get rid of the agenda. It's no longer my will that's important. It's God's will. I am here on behalf of the Father who has called me. He has called each one of you to be a child of God. He has called you to minister to others. He has called you to be a servant. He has called you to service. He has called you to partner with him to spread the gospel message to others who need to hear the news. He has called each one of you in a special way. And what we need to do is to be able to respond and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And that's not easy. I have to admit, that's not easy. It's a challenge. I'm a sinner. I have carnal nature. I'm self-centered. And every single day I have to address this and say, Lord, make me anew. Make me anew. The conflicts can be difficult. It can be up and it can be down. Because the enemy is not willing to let go of me. The battles are there. But I think in actuality is these texts that the scriptures share with me share the importance of what this book is talking about, how to know God's will in your life. If you were to come to our home and if you were to go into our bathroom, you would multiple times see different things on the mirror. I've always said, oh, that one, that one, you could post that one on the bathroom mirror. Becky memorizes scripture so she'll post text on the mirror. And of course, this morning, I'm doing my due diligence. Brushing my teeth. Now this scripture text has been there probably for almost a month. But I'm still brushing away. And just as about ready to spit, I look over at the text and I see these words on the mirror for the first time. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, 
for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I didn't spit. I swallowed. It's amazing how things can be in front of us for such a long period of time, but then all of a sudden, for whatever reasons, maybe the Holy Spirit says, Fred, you got to see this. And I had just picked up this book just about a week ago and started reading it. And there, in the script, and then, honey, what text, what book in the Bible is this that's posted on the mirror? And she replies back, 1 Thessalonians 5. I want to share with you what she has. Because in it, it says, for this is God's will for you. But yet he has more things before that text. In fact, Paul was writing, and he has kind of in bold letters, final instructions. So we're looking at 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 18. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. I, I read that, and, and the first picture that comes to my mind are the medical people in the hospitals caring for these people. And they're broken. And they're tired. And it seems like it's never going to end for them. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened and help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And Dad, when I read that, I thought of you. You have modeled, you have lived a life, you have witnessed to others by what Paul was sharing about here. You and Mom both were more concerned about service and giving to other people than yourself. And I treasure that gift that you've given to me. And then those words, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see a, a pattern of service here? Jesus is expecting us, he's asking us to be of service to others. Be of service, but don't do it on your own agenda. Call upon the God. Let the Lord lead and direct you. Let the Lord lead and direct you. I want to share with you a little paragraph out of a small book entitled Ministries of Healing, which is very inspirational as well. It says, Christ in his life on earth made no plans for himself. 
He accepted God's plans for him. And day by day, the Father unfolded his plans. So should we depend upon God that our lives may be the simple outworking of his will. His will. As we commit our ways to him, he will direct our steps. Wouldn't that be priceless to be able to go through every day allowing the Lord to lay out his plans for us? He'll do it. He'll do it. All we have to do is ask and be open and be receptive. He will give so much of himself for us. In fact, it wasn't long going through the book that Morris brought out this statement as well. God wants to lead us, to guide us, to manifest himself to us. He does not desire that we rely upon our own feeble wisdom. That's right, feeble wisdom. If I'm looking at my agenda, that's feeble wisdom. Nor that we should stumble about in the dark, not knowing whether or not that we are choosing a right. He has a will. And he wants to reveal what that will is to us. That is his desire. That is his desire. For the one who truly is seeking to know God's will, there will be a daily seeking to know God. Did you hear that? If you have a desire and if you're seeking to know God's will, there will be a daily seeking to know God. And why should it not surprise me in this title? If I want to get to know what God's will is, know God. That has been prevalent in my life for the last five years, and I have to contribute that to Morris. Know God. He'll provide all the rest. He'll provide you the wisdom, the understanding, the guidance, the direction. But I first have to spend time to get to know Him. What does all this have to do with your text, Dad? I bet you're probably asking the question. Well... You know me, I take the long route. Because in order to understand that text that I read in Philippians, we have to have a relationship with God. Because that text comes in two parts, and we're going to reflect upon it. But I'm sure that each one of you, each one of you have done a lot of reflecting in the year 2020. I have shared with you this visual before. It's a way that I explained it to my boys when they were younger. I said, you know, all that God is doing is asking us to focus on Him. Keep your eyes on the Lord, boys. And so I kind of paint a picture, but then their, their thoughts are, but Dad, what about all this? Well, That's where the enemy can attack us. Well, that doesn't look fair. 
Right, Dad? That doesn't look fair. But that's as far as I went. But I think that in order for us to understand 2020, and Dad, this is for you, what does it look like, Fred? I'd have to build a picture for my boys. And they're not here, so I'm going to build a picture for you. Was it long in 2020 that the word COVID-19 hit? And there was confusion. And there was panic. And there was separation. Anxiety kind of raised its head to many people. And unfortunately, in this time of 2020, there was depression. I have read articles in Psychology Today talking about the suicide rate in this year alone because of what has been happening boggles your mind. And if it's not these things attacking us, We have social injustice. We have Black Lives Matters, things that really I couldn't tell you a lot about them personally at the time, but tell you what, when it happens, you start to do your homework to find out what is all of this about. And then from that, it leads to protests. You start to hear stories about families who have their businesses and they don't have the money. You hear about the families who can't pay the mortgage. Unemployment rate went up through the roof. I look at myself and I thank the Lord for what he has provided for me. And I believe for a lot of us here in this church, but when you look around this United States, and if it's not bad enough for us as individuals to get involved, Mother Nature wants to make a statement. Forest fires like we've never seen before. Hurricanes. Floods. Not just one time, not just two, not just three, but repetitive. 
the one that just came down there in Florida, not that long, Louisiana, they're trying to salvage what they have and they get hit with it again. Like I said, we are fortunate and blessed. But of course, if there's fires and hurricanes, there is property that is destroyed. And it doesn't have to be the fire and hurricanes. It could be the protest. It could be the social injustice. You've all seen it on the news. You watch people going out of stores just carting things in their hands. You see the protest of the rioting. Tear gas. People being arrested. Of course, the politics. We had to have the politics this year. But even so, Sorry, folks. But even the deceit within the politics can turn your stomach. Relationships between family members. Social distancing. It wasn't long, a few months into this, that we started getting phone calls, Becky and myself, from individuals saying, you know what? I need to talk to someone. They were having anxiety. They were having problems. In fact, they were a lot like, I'm a social person. I didn't realize how much I thrive and need off of people. This has affected me. I miss my Bible studies. I miss my hospital visits. I miss my visits into the homes. I miss seeing my church family, praying with them, hearing the exciting stories of what God's doing for them. It ain't easy popping up here and not having all of that preparation that leads anyone for Sabbath to preach. I could still get jazzed and excited talking to people Sabbath morning because of what God has done for them. But we can't do that. But there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. So, Dad... There it is, 2020. And this is just from my perspective of what it looks like. I'm sure for a lot of you out there, you have a lot of different things that you would put on this board. And then Philippians says, don't worry about anything. Have you seen the board? I mean, I struggled with this myself. And so, in, in, a, in a sense, you can sit there and say, okay, let's make it out of sight, out of mind. 
let's just focus. Let's just focus on the good things. There we go. There we go. Me and Jesus. I'm just going to focus on that. I don't want to look at all of this, God. But God's telling me, but Fred, but Herb, he didn't create us to be that way. He created us to be social, caring individuals. And we need to find out what it is that God wants us to do. So we go and we get to know God. And the more we get to know God, we find out that we, we come and we petition to him, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? He does not want me to stick my head in the sand. He does not want me to deny that this is going on around me. So dad, what does that text look like to you? Don't worry about all of this. Because when I do counseling sometimes in my office, I will have a plate and I will ask them, I want you to write down on your plate what's on your plate in life. Because that's what we're going to talk about. I found out that people in this last year had so much of this on their plate that it was overwhelming them. They couldn't find how do I deal with it? We do that sometimes as human beings. We, we take on other problems and make it our own. And so our plates can get full when in reality there's really nothing that I can do about these things on my plate. But dad, there is, isn't there? Don't worry about anything. But pray about everything. God is asking us to change our perspective, change how we see the world right now in 2020. He says, I know what's going on. In fact, in fact, when I counsel people, who's in charge? God is, okay. God's in charge. We have nothing to worry about, do we? God is in charge. He knows the beginning from the end. He's a sovereign God. He wrote the book. He knows the ending. He is doing what he needs to do here in this world, but still giving us the freedom of choice. And that's where we get into problem because a lot of this world is not willing to do the will of God. And so he says, okay, Fred, I want you, I want your dad, I want your wife, I want the people in the church to look at this picture of 2020 and say, what can I be doing about this? I can't fight forest fires. 
I can't go out there with the social injustice. I don't have the expertise to go with the COVID. I can't do a lot of this stuff. I can be a, an ear. I can listen to people who go through panic, anxieties, depression. I can do that. That's the nourishment that I get that when God says, Fred, allow that to be your nourishment by helping people. But in reality, Fred, Herb, whoever you are, pray for this. I know, Dad, you're going to say, what does that look like? Well, you're going to have to do more than just make a list. You're going to have to make it personal. You're going to have to make it personal. Maybe there are people you know that have COVID-19. Maybe you know there are people who are depressed, who are going through anxiety. Maybe you know of families who have been in financial problems, forest fires. Talk to them. Ask them, how can I pray for you? How? Don't assume that you know. Ask them, how can I pray for you? But there are those people, I know they weigh heavy on my heart. I don't know about you, but when I see the news on those medical workers on the front lines suited up in their gear and their families are outside and these workers are no longer just doctors, they're social workers, they're comforters, they're Christ right there in the church by holding their hands. They are going beyond the call of duty. But I can't help but feel that that's what they chose to do. If they were asked to do anything different, they would say, no, this is what I bought into. This is what I bought into. I saw a testimony of a young man on TV. <laughs> he would come off of his at work on week. If there was a patient of his that he knew was going to die, I do not want that patient to die alone. And he has sat with over 20 patients. He did. He made that choice because the families were not able to be there. To me, that's Christ-like. We need to be Christ-like in this. I know that sometimes we can get calloused to the world. I'll be the first to admit it. I see the numbers that post up on the TV and they are so high, but yet I see the numbers and say, Honey, what's for dinner? You get calloused. But that's not an excuse. It shouldn't be. Because God is saying with each one of those numbers, there's a family who has just lost a loved one. Fred, pray for that family. I think anything, this has rocked our boat as a society, this has rocked our boat as a church. This is a wake-up call of who we are and what we can be. But it's not going to be my will or my agenda. 
I have to be willing to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to roll up my sleeves, but you're going to be the one that's going to call the shots. It's your plan. What is it that you want of me? And it has to be your plan with your partnership with God because that's the only way it can happen. I can't tell you what it looks like. Sorry, Dad. But Dad, continue what I've seen you do in the place and where you live. Because that's being Christ-like. He did not come to be served. He came to serve. If we could just keep that in the back of our mind. I know there's a battle with inside of each one of us. The spirit and the flesh. We wrestle with it every day if we're honest with ourselves. But it's like my mom told me. I said, Mom, I'm having a real struggle here. It seems like the enemy is just beating me up. And she said, Fred, that's wonderful. Because you must be doing something good that is a threat to him. It's all in the perspective. We change the perspective to say, Lord, I don't want to see it through my eyes. I want to see it through your eyes. I am sure that you see each situation here, each individual, each family, everyone who is hurting, those who have lost a loved one, and your heart breaks because of this. Lord, help me see through your eyes. Help me understand what it is that you want me to do, but may it be according to your will, not mine. I'm not in it for me. I like the purpose-driven book, the very first sentence that says, it's not about you. My purpose in life is not for me to exceed to high, grandiose jobs and money and wonderful... No, 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 no. It's not about me at all. It's about me becoming a vessel to be used by God in order to partner with Him, that we can share the gospel message, that we could be a resource, that we could be a community in our neighborhood, our church, that people say, man, those people are different. I like that one phrase many years ago. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You agree with that? That should be my marching order. Every, It's not the head knowledge of what I have or who I... They need to know what it looks like to represent Christ and care for them. Whatever it may be. That's what he has called us to do. But still, we always have that conflict, that struggle within each side of us. As we kind of land the plane here this morning, some of you may already have seen this story. You don't have to read it. I'll read it for you. Dad, you like stories? I know you do. 
I like stories. And this is how it goes. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside of me, he said to the boy. It's a terrible fight, and it's between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. He continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside of you, son, and inside of every person. The grandson thought about it for a minute. And then he asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. The one you feed. The distraction that the enemy puts before us, I think, is so intense. And we get so caught up within the world, we take our eyes off of the simple relationship. And we have to ask ourselves the question, who am I feeding? The TV is a wonderful source, but right now with the politics, it could just take your time. The news, the tragedy, the conditions of the world. We live in a life that we can see things and tragedy happen at the moment because of all the technology and televisions and cameras. You could be in your living room, but you could be watching a crisis unfold right in front of you. Each one of us, I ask that we walk away today or you and your homes. Who do you feed? Dad? Who do you feed? And yes, I need to look into the mirror. Who do you feed? It's so crucial. It's so crucial. Because as I look out to all of you, <laughs> yeah, not all of you, a dreamer, the question has to be to you, church, who do you feed? What do you choose to invest your time in? Jesus himself said, I find my nourishment by doing the will of God. 
We, we can find nourishment by the things that are self-centered, the things that excite us, the things that entice us, the things that draw us and take us away from what God wants us to do. We can call that our nourishment because that's what the enemy wants us to do. That's his job, is to take our eyes off of the Lord. But if we can just come to the point like the text read. Dad, in order for you not to worry about anything, Fred, in order for you not to worry about anything, Church, in order for you to not worry about anything, you need to have a relationship with God. You need to get to know God. You need to know that we have a sovereign God who is in control, that you have a relationship, not just a relationship, but an experience with him. You have to have something that you can bank on to say, God, I know that you can do what you say you do because I've experienced it. Because if you don't have that, it's just words. Because how do you give the worries of the world to a God if it's just on paper? I can say I believe in my wife. I love my wife. I have faith in my wife. I trust my wife. What one of those words seem to be a little bit more powerful than the others? In my opinion, trust. Trust. The trust I have with the relationship with my wife is priceless. And the trust that we have with our Savior, our Father, our God is priceless, but it just doesn't happen. We have to work at it. We have to make it intentional. We have to participate in relationship to get to know Him every day. Walk with Him. Allow Him to be in your life. Let Him lead and direct you. Yeah, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. So be it. That's part of life. That's how you learn. But when you're on God's team... He's in charge. And he knows the beginning from the end. He's the best coach you can have. So in order for me not to worry about anything, I have to have a God that I can trust and say, Lord, I give it to you. I don't have to put a shield around here because even though I see these things, I'm not going to put them on my plate. I'm going to use them for cues to be able to pray for them. Pray for the people. Pray for the events. Pray for the things that are around this world. I'm still looking at you, Jesus, but I need to be able to know that this world is still yours. You have called me to be in the world, but not of the world. When I start getting preoccupied with all of this, guess what? I have become of the world. And I've lost this relationship between me and God. I have to be intentional. 
But in doing so, Dad, what peace we can have when we can give those worries to him. Instead, we can pray about everything. And when we pray about everything, we put it into his hands knowing that he will take care of it. You're not in charge. I'm not in charge. None of us are in charge. We are servants. We are workers. We are children of God who has called upon each one of us to partner with him. There's a plaque in our home. I like how it reads. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Did you get that? I don't know what tomorrow holds. Nobody knows what tomorrow holds. And sometimes that can be stressful for people. That can create anxiety and fear because they don't know what tomorrow holds. But if we as God's children can sit there and say, I don't know what it holds, but I know, you know who holds tomorrow. That's what you bank on. That's what you put your investment in is to him. And he will carry you throughout the day. And you will have to have no worries, no pain, no suffering, as long as you allow yourself to surrender to him. Well, Dad, I hope I answered your question. It may be confusing, but... I love your simple face, so never lose sight of the Jesus that you walk with. Because you know, he's taking care of you. I look at his jacket, and I know that my dad's sleeping. But see, Jesus is still taking care of him. And I long for that day when Jesus comes and takes us home. Because I'll see my dad and my mom. The people who influenced me, who made me who I am, who modeled for me what God looks like. What a gift they gave to me. I'm seeing it finally now in the 66, and all of a sudden now it's starting to say, oh, now I get it. Don't make it so hard, Fred. Just make it real. Make it personal. Experience him. And in doing so, your journey will be priceless. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the words that I believe you wanted to be spoken this morning. I know each one of us in some ways struggle with what's going on within this world right now. So many distractions. So many things that are pulling us away from our time with you. But Father, may you continue to embrace us. May you continue to comfort us. May your arm and your hands be there on our shoulders. Embrace us. In fact, may we take your hand as our daddy and never let go. 
because we are going through some trying times. But you are the answer to everything. So as we end here this morning, I give you thanks and praise for who you are. The sorrow, loving, unconditional love that you give to each one of us. You don't condemn us. You accept us. You embrace us. Because you see great potential within each one of us. I know that we are all a work in progress. And that's what you see. So Father be with us now through this difficult time in our world's history. With the pandemic and the chaos and the confusion. And may you give us the peace that we so desperately need of knowing you are in charge. And because of that, we can sleep at night. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Enjoy the day.